0: I want everybody to do something. Take your hand and put it on your heart. I'm not going to make you like pledge allegiance or anything like that. I just want you to, I want you to feel your heart. Now, if you are a healthy adult, we'll say if you're a teenager, or similar, uh, you, you should be 60 to 80 beats per minute. So I'm not going to get you to count. You know, count. We're not going to do the 60 seconds and count. But can everybody feel their heartbeat? Is anybody heartless here? Um, So, I want to tell you a story. When I did this, I put my hand to my heart. It's about a couple of years ago. We're just sitting down for supper. And we're sitting at our table. And, uh, you know, the food's in the middle. and, And we just said grace. And we're just about to pass out the food. And I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, my chest feels a little weird. And so, I just do this. Just like you guys were doing. I'm like, huh, that's weird. And by weird, I was like, it felt like things were just going a little faster than they should be. And, you know, it was just a little, like, my chest was, I wouldn't say tightening, but I could feel my chest. Like, right now, I don't feel my chest unless, you know, I do that. But I could feel my chest, and things seemed faster. And so I'm doing this, and Evie was sitting right across the table from me, and the kids were over here. And she's looking at me, as she can see me doing this. She's like, you okay? I see, yeah, my, my chest just feels a little weird. And so she gets up and she comes around and she put her hand on my chest. And then, if you don't know, my wife's in healthcare. Uh, so then she t- does this and puts her hand on my wrist. And she goes, I'll be right back. And then she went to her bag and she comes about with what I'll call a doohickey. Uh, and she put it on my finger. And, uh, and what this little doohickey does is it spits out a number after, you know, I don't know, like 10, 20 seconds. It tells you your, your heart rate. And... Uh, so she looks at it, and then she looks at me. And at this point, um, I'm by personality, I'm a pretty mellow guy. I don't get too terribly high. I don't get too terribly low. So this whole time, I'm just like, whatever. Like you know, my wife's in healthcare. She'll take care of me. <laughs> I got nothing to worry about. And so I'm just, I'm literally like this, and just you know, talking to the kids and food on the plate. And um, my wife has a word she says. If, uh, it's usually frustrated, flustered, uh, sometimes anger. I hope none of you are offended by this word, (laughs) but she looked at the numbers. She looked at me and she went, Oh, flippers. (laughs) And when I hear old flippers, I know, Oh, this is this. We've notched it up here. This is serious. (laughs) Um, and I look at the number and it said 280, I'm still fairly oblivious because um, I've taken zero medical training to become a pastor. And because my wife's in healthcare, I pay zero attention to health related things. I just do what I'm told. I'm like a big child in our house when it comes to healthcare. So she goes, Oh, flippers, we look, 280. And I go, oh, is that bad? I actually didn't know what the, I actually this week said, Evie, what's a healthy heart rate? And she said 60 80 for an adult. And I wrote that down in my notes and I've told you now. Um, so she started doing, so she's like, jump ups, up and down. I'm like, all right. And so I started jumping up and down and then she's, no, didn't do it. All right, it, it was I, the season. It wasn't winter yet, but it was, I guess it was fall, maybe spring. I can't remember what season it was, but it was a bit cooler outside. She goes, let's get you outside. Maybe the cold air will kind of and I'm like, all right. I'm still kind of, you're overreacting here a little Evie. And I go outside and I stand there for, for a little bit and I come in and the heart's still going. And she's like, we're going to Grey Nuns. Going to the hospital. All right. So we, um, in our relationship, I, when we're both jumping a car, 99 times out of 100, I drive. It's just the rhythm of our relationship. And so I'm, Thinking like I'm gonna jump in the, my vehicle and she's gonna go in the passenger. No, 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 I'm driving. Get in my car. Oh, okay. So I get in the passenger seat, and all of a sudden I noticed she was driving quite aggressively to Great Nuns. At that time we didn't live too far away. We lived like, I don't know, five, seven minutes away. We got there in like two, three minutes. And I was like, it was at that point, think my you can say I'm a little slow, and you would not be wrong, but it was at that point, and I'm not exaggerating here, it was at that point where I started going, Oh, maybe this is something, um, you know, a little serious. I'm like, you're you're going fast. She's like, yeah, I need to get you to hospital. I'm like, seriously? Like this fast? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So we get to the hospital. We walk into the merge. It's in the the heart of um, COVID. So it's, you know, mass answering the questions there at the door. And then, as you know, emergency, you walk in and in the waiting room, there's all people with, you know, a sprained ankle and a broken eye. They're all kind of waiting there. And you walk up to the person and you tell them what you're doing. And then you walk up to another person, you give them your health card number and stuff like that. And then you usually wait for five hours. So I walk in and we talk to the first person and uh, they're like, oh, hi, what are you here for? I'm like, my heart's going fast. And then my wife kind of said some medical mumbo jumbo um, that I just glossed over and they put one of those, the same doohickey, they put it on my finger there. And uh, it's through the window. And they look at the, nu- she looks at the number, the nurse looks at the number, looks at me. And she calls this other nurse. Hey, come here. And this male nurse comes and he looks at the number and he looks at me and he goes, have you done any heroin today? <laughs> and he was dead serious. And I was like, I, I, it was that two second like looking at him. I can honestly say that question has never been asked of me. <laughs> That's the one and only time in my life. And I look at him, I'm like, no, not today. I have not. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so he said, come with me. And then he looked at Evie and said, go to the next table and get him finished registering. And now I went from Evie speeding to like, I don't have to sit down and wait for five hours? Like, and... They take me to the bed, and they say, take off your shirt, put on the, you know, the gown, and uh, lay in this bed. So I take off my shirt, I put on the gown, and I lay down, and as my head hits the pillow as I lay down, there's a doctor standing over me. And I thought, wow, this is fast. <laughs> and the doctor is like, hey, we just want to check some things. And uh, as the doctor's talking to me, a nurse pops in and starts pitting all those suction cups all over my body, and the... the the bigger doohickey is beeping and doing its thing. Uh, I know theological terms. I, I'm not as silly as I sound. Medical terms, not so much. And, uh, and the doctor says, hey, so uh, your heart is stuck at a really fast rate. And if we don't unstuck it, your heart will burn out. It will stop beating. And I was like, I know that is bad. <laughs> and he says, we've got three things. The first thing is just some weird trick that we do where you blow really hard on something because it's COVID. uh, You're going to do it to your own thumb so we don't, you know, contaminate. And then we, you do that for 30 seconds and then we shoot your legs straight up. So you make like a 90 degree angle. And then that sometimes works. It just rushes the blood, you know, and and that works. If that doesn't work, um, because we got to get this stuff quick. We got this uh, medicine that this nurse is preparing. So if that doesn't work, she's shooting you. And if that doesn't work, you see the paddles there? You know, like the shock, clear, boom. Uh, that's that, we're going to do that on you last. That's the third option. And it was in that moment where I was like, whoa. And uh, I, Evie at that point had walked into the little, and I looked at Evie, and I still remember, I can't remember the exact words, but was something along the lines of, I don't really want to die yet. That was the thought that came through my mind. Thankfully, the first trick worked. 30 seconds of blowing hard on my thumb. They shoot my legs up. It was about a five-second delay, and then my heart just went... Mm -hmm. So I found out I have a little heart condition. It's happened in the last two years, I think three or four times it's happened. And I do that little trick, and it works. And if it happens more regularly, then I'll have to go get my heart little, you know, little something done on my heart on the operating table. But my question is, how is your heart? You see, for me, whenever my hand gets near my chest now, Evie goes, how's your heart? And what she's asking is like, how's my heart beating? Is it at 280 or is it at like 60 to 80? That's what she's asking. But we know when we ask that, like when we refer to a heart, it can mean so many different things, right? For instance, the, the, the great philosopher and theologian, Dr. Seuss, said this. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew through three sizes that day. I'm no medical expert, but I know when your heart grows three sizes, you're dead. <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem, right? Like, you don't want your heart growing triple in size in a moment. But Dr. Seuss wasn't referring to the Grinch's physical heart. So help me out here. I'm going to put somebody, tell me, what, what was Dr. Seuss trying to communicate here? Affection. Anybody else? Are we all grief, Matt? Affection. Yeah, like emotionally, he's, he went from being emotionally dead and affectionately dead to, to caring. His heart grew. So, what does the Bible say about our hearts? Because we reference things about our heart all the time. And, and the interesting thing is the Bible actually says a ton about our heart and actually says nothing about our brain in a certain way. In, in, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was in Greek. In the Hebrew, there's no word for brain actually. They didn't, and so the heart encompassed everything. But, but they didn't know about the physical heart. There's this one instance where um, where Somebody, uh, Nabal, this guy, he had a heart attack. And it referred to this one, his heart died inside him, and he, and he became like stone. Like, they were describing a heart attack. This guy had a heart attack and died. And so, and so they did understand, like, this physical heart is, is, is what keeps you alive. It pumps the blood. Like, you know, the heart, something happens to the heart, you die. And so, and so it knew that. But it also referenced all sorts of other things. Uh, the heart was where intellectual activity took place. There's this idea of wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding. And so like wisdom was flowed from the heart. Or you have, you have, um, you have King Solomon, whos is, who is the wisest king, and when, and when they talk about King Solomon, his wisdom is said the whole world sought an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. And so it 's this idea of, you know Intellectual wisdom comes from the heart. The Bible also talks, about, kind of like the Grinch, the whole idea of like, our feelings and our emotions. So here is Hannah, and she, she was having trouble uh, getting pregnant. And, and this is what it said about her. Hannah, this is Hannah's husband speaking to her. and says, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Kind of like this, like the emotional center is your heart. And then I'll just, this is a free one for you guys. He goes on to say, like, aren't I better than 10 sons? Something never to say to your wife when, you know, she's distraught. Like, aren't I good enough for you? Um, He was emotionally not wise. Actually, the whole idea of a broken heart That concept of like a broken heart isn't from a Hallmark movie. It actually comes from the Old Testament, that that idea of a broken heart. And then the heart is where choices are made or or the motives of our choices are made. And so David, in his heart, he decided he wanted to build a temple. Um. It's called the the desires of your heart. You know, you you choose things from your heart. And this is why there's this famous verse that says that we should guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. And so when the author wrote this, what they're thinking is, is like your your decisions, your emotions your wisdom, everything, it's flowing from your heart, so you've got to guard it. It isn't like your heart is just this small little piece of you and, you know, it's saying like every, your whole being flows from your heart, so guard it. And so the goal is a transformation of the heart. And this is why David, King David, after he's murdered, committed adultery, and murdered that woman's husband. This is why he says, create in me a pure heart. Because for him, he's saying, my, my whole being, like, can you, can you transform all of who I am? And then there's the, the prophet, and he says, he's talking about people and his desire is that God would remove heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. So in other words, that people would be totally transformed, that, the, that their, their lives are just hard towards God, that they'd become soft. And so it's this idea of God wants your heart. He wants all of you. It's all encompassing. And so when I say how is your heart, maybe a better question is who or what has your heart? See I think we we often and I, I can be accused of this at times in my life, we treat following Jesus like an accessory. Let's, let's, let's say a jacket. And it can be something where we're like, you know what? It was a bit warmer. When it was minus 30, I had this jacket I wear. It's nice and warm. Put that on. It was getting warmer. And so I started searching for another jacket. I couldn't find it. I asked Debbie where it was. And in two seconds, she was like, here it is. <laughs> it's the way it works in our house. And it's, you know, it's a jacket, it's a bit thinner, uh, you know, it's like this, minus five, minus ten, it's great. And, and we can f- put Jesus and fallen Jesus kind of like that, ah, oh, this, is, this is a great situation to kind of, you know, be with Jesus, and so I'm going to put them on. And then when it feels inconvenient, or it's maybe a bit hard or a problem, then it's like, oh, I'm going to just, you know, hang that up there. And when I need them, I know where to find them. And if I can't find them, I maybe can ask somebody and they can help me out and put them back on. And that becomes just easy. The problem is, is Jesus saying, I want all of you. So let's be honest. We all want to feel fulfilled in life. We want to be feel loved. We want to have joy in our life. These are basic human desires. I don't think any of us if we're, you know, if we're doing coffee and you're vulnerable and honest with me, I don't think any of you'd be like, "You know what I desire is poverty and difficulty and bad relationships." Like nobody would say that. Everybody'd be like, you know what? I I want, I want joy. I want fulfillment. I want satisfaction. I want purpose. I want to feel like I'm 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 accomplished. These are um, core to every human being. Every human being wants to feel safe. This is why um, wondering where your next meal's coming from, or the constant fear of abuse is so debilitating. Because it, it, it cuts against how we were created to be. And so, in our society, we go searching for these things. The fulfillment, um, satisfaction, in different areas. And, and all of a sudden, different, so, some of us become workaholics. Because we're like, if I can just have enough money then I will be satisfied. Or I become a workaholic because if I can just have enough prestige, people, people look at me with respect, then I will feel fulfilled. For others, it's pleasure in its various forms. If I can just chase after this pleasurable hit, then I will... Finally, be happy. And the funny thing, we all know it. Like We all know why social media can be so enticing. It's that doping hit. Oh, I got a like, a scroll. It's a pleasure hit. Oh, if I can just get enough of those, if I can just get enough likes, then I will feel fulfilled. Or it becomes this sense of um, individualism. It's all about me. And if I just, if I just focus on me, you know, and I'll do me, then I will finally be satisfied. Then I'll finally find joy. You know what? I will focus so much on me at the expense of everybody else in my life. And it's this in our society, this hyper-individualism. Oh, people are just selfish. I would say, at the core of it, people are chasing after fulfillment. And they're chasing after um, satisfaction and joy. Kind of the root core desires that God has birthed into each of us. And probably the easiest, especially in our Western society, is just Stuff. Sit back, Then, it, well, we don't watch commercials like we used to, right? If you're my age or older, cable TV, now we're kind of the, the streaming, and it's not as near uh, as many commercials. But if you get a chance, watch a commercial. Very seldom are they selling the product. They're selling these core, you want to feel desired do you want to feel joy? Well, then this will help you. It's it's not hey this you know doohickey is gonna this sermon's brought to you by the word doohickey. It's not like this doohickey is you know the solution. It, it, it you know this in and of itself is is what you want. You want this, and this thing might help bring it. Oh, and now it's been six months and it's expired, so now you need a new thing to experience one of these core values. And really, at its heart, I didn't mean to say that. Really, at its heart, is they're going after your heart. And so the question becomes: Is is your heart being pulled in multiple directions, or is your heart given to one? So, how is your heart? And Jesus was kind of addressing this once when he was, uh, he was doing this teaching. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, because he was on a mount, and he was doing a sermon to all these people. And it's kind of all his teaching, you know, combined in one. And he's kind of addressing this in one part of the sermon, and I want to re- read you, it's, it seems like a lot, but it's not. It's six verses. And while I'm giving you six verses, I want to give a little context. And it, and it starts off like this. He says, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by, doing so much, by so much as an inch? I can say the answer is no. Just want to clarify that. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The the ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. The the picture I have is if you ever had the opportunity to do like backcountry hiking, where it's you know not doesn't get touched very much by humanity, and and um, you know you've seen a field or something. I I still remember once we were uh, camping close to the mountains and we took the the boys for a, a hike and we said, hey, we're doing this hike. And uh, Evie and I weren't quite uh, prepared enough, and we took a wrong turn. And instead of the hike we thought we were taking, we took a much longer, steeper climb up a mountain. And uh, the boys were younger, and we were like, oh, we could do it, guys, we could do it. <laughs> and Evie and I were a little bit like, can we do it? I don't know, like it was just so long. But then when we got up there, and you started to see the nature, because not, the, the, not many people went up there not many people made the mistake we did. It was gorgeous. Like, that's a picture when I read this. Like, have you looked at flowers? I'm not talking, I don't think it's the, the flower bed in front of your house. I'm thinking the, the side of the mountain, the wildflowers. And you're just like, wow, this is amazing. This is beautiful. And then he goes on and says this. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never, ever, never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And this is in part what I think Jesus is saying here. Those core desires that you have fulfillment, joy. Love, satisfaction. You can go chasing for them. And our society gives us plenty of options to try to satisfy them. Jesus is saying, they're going to be flat. It's going to fall flat. But if you want a full life, if if you want to be satisfied, give your heart to all that you are Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. So, how's your heart? Do you find it's kind of sectioned off and a little bit of it is to this, and a little bit of this to this, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of this? this? Jesus would say, that's, that's totally understandable. But the fulfillment that you crave and desire, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never discover it. What Jesus is saying, and the whole story of Scripture is saying, when you give your heart, all of you, to Jesus, that's when you'll start, doesn't mean everything's going to be easy, but that fulfillment. It's like, okay, the core desires of who I am, that's when it finds its fulfillment. So at the beginning, I said, hey, put your hand on your heart. Let's do it again. And instead of, you know, trying to find a heartbeat or questioning, like, am I the Grinch? Do I need my heart to grow three sizes bigger? What I want you to think about is, see, often we think of like, oh, if I just attend church regularly, then I'm good. Or, oh, if I just uh, be a good person, then I'm good. But the core reality is, is how is your heart? Probably the better question is, who or what has your heart? And I've known people that um, have gone church for decades and if they were honest they would say Jesus is an accessory to me he doesn't have my heart but he has a piece of it a piece of who I am but then I take him off and I hang them up so the next time I need him or something's wrong or I show up at a function like this and then I put him back on and Jesus is saying you're missing out And so I'm not going to ask you to like, raise your hand or stand up or do anything, but I do want you to reflect for a second and ask yourself, who or what has my heart? And I suspect that there's some of us that are like, you know what? I think... I've been shortchanging myself and Jesus, and I need to step out and say, "Jesus, can you have all of me, not just part of me?" So, in a moment, I'm going to pray, and if you're there, come talk to me. Come talk to someone else, not not for any reason other than so we can support, encourage. Uh, is that saying, "It takes a village to raise a child." Uh, we all need that village. It's not just when we're ch- for our children; for us too, we need we need community to spur us on, to help us, to comfort us, to kick us in the pants when we need it, and so we tell someone just so we can have that support. And so, when I'm praying, if you're one of those people that are like, "Man, I I think the concept of heart being all of me," I I do need to say to Jesus, "Please have all of my heart, all of my life." Uh, when I'm praying, just whether it's a sentence or a few words, just pray that also to yourself. So Jesus, we thank you that uh, we don't have to go on it at our own on our own, but that you invite us to join you, so that we can be fulfilled, the desires that are ingrained in every human being can find their fulfillment in you and so I just pray that you'd help us to live lives of giving you all of ourselves our entire heart we praise you and we worship you God amen